0: Thank welcome back to another episode of roll film i am here with my luscious co-host john cormany say hi john luscious hi over here being luscious being the most luscious on mute <laughs> was i but on mute that whole time
1: the whole time oh my god no i'm kidding you over here being luscious. luscious oh i wasn't you sucker you sucker!
0: but guys yes that was yes, yes, new month new year and we're starting it out with john hughes january and we're going to review all john hughes movies we are reviewing this week the breakfast club
1: boom the big mama
0: the, yeah the ridiculous, so yeah it's hard to decide you know which four john and i were going to do but i think that that we've definitely handled it
1: yeah i think if you're going to do john hughes you have to do the breakfast club because that's what everybody thinks of when they think of John Hughes. I think there's other movies that, you know, fall into like when if you went up to a random stranger and said, name John Hughes movies, they'd probably be like, get away from me. But other than that, Breakfast Club would either be number one or number two. Ferris Bueller, which we are also doing doing during this time. But, uh, you know, maybe they'll say some other things. But I, I, I just feel like John Hughes and Breakfast Club are like synonymous. Exactly, it's spaghetti and
0: meatballs, it's, it's the lamb and tuna fish, it's, it's the perfect combos, you know, like, everybody realizes that, and, you know, if, if you've never seen Breakfast Club, that's, that would be shocking, but it's definitely a movie that has lived on throughout the decades so far, I mean, everybody has been watching Breakfast Club since its release in 1985, and it continues to live on, and that's what's crazy about this movie, John, did you get to see this
1: in theaters? No, I was two when this came. Oh, come out. on, <laughs> <laughs> mom wasn't like, let's take our two-year-old to a rated R movie. Which, by the way, I texted Greg like, I forgot this was a hard R. Like, <laughs> this is not like a oh, it could have been PG-13, and not only because of language, for the record, but it's it was still kind of like, oh wow, yeah. Which I think gives it more credibility to the high school crowd. I rented this movie when I was in high school. Having been, what I would say, connoisseur of Saturday schools, what they called them in my school district, you know, the Saturday detentions, I, I had a few and that room. I wasn't quite Bender level, but uh, it also, I, I don't think mine were eight hours. That's crazy. But I'd always heard, like, maybe I've told the story before, but my dad gave me his Blockbuster card. I moved in with my dad freshman year of high school, and I didn't, you know, I moved in in the middle of the summer. And I didn't know a ton of people going into this new school I was going to. So my dad gave me his Blockbuster card when he went to work. He's like, go rent whatever you want. Back then, at Blockbuster, the older movies were like, I don't know, a dollar. Like, it was super cheap. So I would go rent these classics that I needed to know because I loved movies. And I rented Breakfast Club, which at the time, I was 14, probably looking like 12. Like, I, I was a late bloomer. And, uh, you know, it's not that I've really bloomed into a flower. I've basically bloomed into crabgrass, but it's, yeah, you know, crabgrass is important too. And I rented a breakfast club, but they didn't care at all. Like, okay, great. Yeah, here, here's a rated R movie. And I loved it. I watched it and I watched it as many times as I could because it was like a seven-day rental. I probably watched it at least three, four times. And, and I thought it was great. What about you, Greg? Well,
0: you know, I I watched it... I would probably say my teenage... Like, I know I watched it in high school for the first time, but I might not have seen it outside of, like, a uh, Comedy Central run or, like, whatever on TV. So definitely the first time I saw... Well, I-, I guess years and years later, watching it not on TV, I had no idea. Uh, like, because uh, the TV, it really... couldn't recall, because of how many times I've seen this on t- TV, the one scene where... Emilio Estevez uh, breaks that glass because he's like hot boxing in that room. Like, so did they, I think they cut that part out of the actual TV scene because I don't remember that
1: at all. (laughs) Pretty sure they did, yeah. I feel like I watched the VHS copy first in the summer of 98. That's when I was moving in with my dad. When I watched it on basic cable after that, I was like, oh wow, they've cut a lot and they've edited. A lot of the the language, which makes sense for basic cable, but you you really don't get the full like you know teenager effect if you're not watching the the R version.
0: Yeah, and that's definitely apparent. And you know, one thing we did look over we haven't done yet. Uh, let's do the box office really quick. The budget for the movie was an estimated one million dollars. Opening weekend, it crushed with five point one million dollars, and worldwide gross till this day. $51.5 million. Isn't
1: that crazy? What an investment. I mean, $1 million for that budget. Like, Emilio wasn't who he is today. He wasn't a Mighty Duck at this point, but he was still the son of Martin Sheen, you right. know? And, and brother of Charlie Sheen, who we'll see later in Ferris Bueller. But it's like, Molly Ringwald, this was after 16 Candles, so she wasn't a no-name. She was still an up-and-comer, I would call at this point. And Anthony Michael Hall was in 16 Candles as well. Uh, Judd Nelson, I don't know him from anything before this. God, he does so great in this. And uh, Ali Sheedy, I feel awful. I feel like the only thing I can ever name her else, like what else she's been in was uh, Short Circuit, which is after this. The budget seems exquisitely low. And then we also have the fact that this was filmed in Illinois, correct? Not... not like hollywood it's not like on a set it's on a real high school right exactly
0: yeah and that that's what was more interesting and yeah with that you know you kind of go into the lore of this movie you know being as old as it is and everything like some of the things they couldn't afford right which is why they had like amelia Westavez's character judd uh nelson's characters because they couldn't afford people like they wanted uh nick cage but that wasn't an option to the budget wow and the person that was casted originally for the janitor was actually Rick Moranis. And he had even casted for it. They they tested and everything. They didn't like the direction he was doing like some weird Russian accent and like being really funny with it. And then they recasted it. They basically they they fired Rick Moranis from the set. No way. Him. Yeah, it's pretty. That part was pretty crazy. Um, and man, there was one other one they wanted. Oh, it was Judd
1: Nelson's character. They wanted to be John Cusack. That one makes sense to me, but it also does make sense that that would be more because he had done Better Off Dead, and had already kind of had a career. I mean, that's crazy to me to think that they couldn't get these big names. So they got Judd Nelson, who absolutely crushed Bender. I mean, that role, he hit it out of the park, and it launched his whole career. Like, this was his career launcher. I guess that's what it means by launch this whole career. I don't need to repeat myself. But it's funny. Thank you for dissecting that. (laughs) (laughs) Real deep thoughts here. But it's interesting how you said the thing about Rick Maranis. I had no idea about that. That's why you're the, the researcher guy. Because I like the janitor a lot in this, and I feel like he is the only, like, straight man, right? He's the voice of reason. He's the normal guy and you know he makes his points about you know I read everything you guys throw away I know all about you guys and I don't know if you know your Shakespeare and I'm not trying to insult you but he's like the jester you know and all those old Shakespearean plays who is really the most knowledgeable and everyone calls him the fool you know. Yeah. I, you know, people that don't know Shakespeare
0: or they might've watched uh, Game of Thrones. It's definitely Ferris. uh, The bald eunuch is is Janitor's character. And yeah, you're right. John Kapalos, like he crushes that role and how long him and uh, Vernon have been working together. And it's just for him to have that moment of like calling him on his shit. Like, dude, these kids haven't changed. They're the same. You're the one that's changed. And obviously i mean you took a job like that and 22 years later you're still dealing with the same shitty kids like i would be annoyed too but and you know you get jaded from that stuff and you don't do your job as well as you probably should but it was never the kid's fault it's the teacher for giving up right
1: yeah i mean you're preaching over here man and it's it's great to hear but we got to give a synopsis for the like three people who haven't seen this movie and know what's going on because I think you're hitting on some major themes that I appreciate now as a 40-year-old compared to when I watched this as a first time as a freshman in high school. Right.
0: Yeah. And you're right, John. We did not go with the synopsis. We are just so excited, you know, because it is a brand new year. Uh, It's literally January 1st right now. So that's why we're rushing this in proper style. So yeah, uh, five high school students meet in Saturday detention and discover how they have a great deal more in common than they would have thought.
1: You know, when I was in Saturday school, as we called it here in Columbus, Ohio, the teacher didn't leave the room. Like, you know, it was, if you made a cough, they would look at you weird. So we didn't have the moment at all during detention to kind of like connect with each other. But I think the character of Vernon... He does such a good job of being that, I don't care about this. I don't want to deal with this. You know, that part of his character seems so realistic that a teacher's just given up. Yeah, and especially just the attitude.
0: I mean, like, I would be pissed as the teacher who's been working at this job for 20 plus years that he's the one that has to man Saturday school. Like, that would raz my berries just as much as anybody else. So, And then top that off with him going to pour himself a nice hot cup of coffee, and then it's just a thermos, a thermos full of coffee
1: grounds all over his lunch. <laughs> you know, when we had our last episode of Documentary December, and we had Carrie Holland on there, and she talked about how John Hughes gives the humanity, he does that so well here. I mean, you obviously identify more with the students as— a young person when you're watching this movie but like you said the conversation between the janitor and vernon so good because you're like that is what happens you kind of you become that old mr wilson from dennis the menace like get off my lawn like you become that and you're like i thought i'd never become that i thought it'd be punk forever or whatever you know i thought i would be cool and uh yeah the kids don't change you do But at the same time,
0: kids do change because kids nowadays are not like the kids we were back then. So it's like such a weird double-edged sword now, which is so funny. But yeah, I mean, this movie, I think, does a great job of categorizing clicks in the great way of the, the brains, the popular kids, the outcasts. I mean, you see that every school has that. And it's funny, you know, having kids, John and I do, and if we're picking up our kids from school or you know at least visiting the school you see still to this day this different genre of kids of these cliques and it's just as much as you think all the kids are the same because they live their life the way that they do on TikTok and Instagram and whatever and Snapchat but like they're still separating themselves away from other people and that's why I, this movie will always succeed like it'll never die out and never be archaic because you know no matter
1: how old it is it still relates absolutely and i think the thing is, the kids don't change. Like, the janitor's words ring true there, but the vehicle in which the kids kind of deliver their message or their identity, so to speak, that changes. Like, what, what was the quote in the beginning of the movie? It was from David Bowie. Changes. These children you spit on, they're going to be here tomorrow. And everyone was like, I just hope, you know, these, these are the people that are going to be taking care of me one day. And the janitor was like, I wouldn't count on it. And right. I th- I think that's so true, of the older generation now. And I hope I don't become that generation, one day. Uh-huh. When you know, as you and I sit here as the long form, like YouTube, like we were trying to be funny and we had to make a plot and we had to make a script. And now you guys are just like, look at this, you know. Like I know that's a very <laughs> gross. But you're not wrong.
0: Yeah, you're you're talking about the difference between making art and then throwing shit at the wall and making it look like a ridiculous war shack or something. You know, like. Yeah, it's it's exactly. It's the the artist annoyed at the shorthand of fame. And I think what affects that the most, you know? God damn it, this movie's so good. But like, I had a question for you, John, because, you know, we're dealing with all these kids. What group would you have put
1: yourself in uh, in high school? Like, who were you rolling with? That's a good question, man. That's a, That's a real good question. So I was never like... I played baseball through middle school and things like that, but I never wanted to play sports in high school because of the commitment it was. I was just like, oh, my God, you have to do all that physical activity after school? No, thank you. So I know, what a shock. But I I did do a lot of plays. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. I did two a year, my senior year, and then I did one a year, like sophomore and junior year and things like that. Probably not a shock at all. I always just wanted to be the funny... Like friendly guy, like I never really went after other students. There's probably a couple times people would be like, "He bullied me," which is possible. I don't know. I got to reexamine my life, but I I mostly went after teachers. Kind of like Bender did when he's like, "Eat my shorts!" Like that was kind of my attitude. Like you can't teach me anything. Oh, I'm so smart already. So if I had to guess, it was like a mix between Bender and Brian Anthony Michael Hall's character Johnson, because I did like learning and i did like debate and i liked you know critical thinking and things like that but i also like being punk i was way into punk music in high school still am i like feeling like i was outside of that norm so maybe a little bit of ali sheedy if you will like the weird kid but yeah i really liked the high school i went to through sophomore through senior year it was a lot of great people and i got to have a great experience so what about you yeah I would
0: definitely say I, I'm
1: a I was a hard mix between Allison
0: and a little bit of Bender like out of any out of all of those characters cause I dude I hated school I hated being there every single day being forced to learn and like not do what I want to do and stuff but like yeah I played football but I wouldn't have ever considered myself a jock I was always hanging out with the alternative crowd you know the the people that shopped at Hot Topic and Spencer's for the most part and but like not in a gothy way, you know, like an alternative way, because there was even more gothy kids at our school, and it was, like, goth, like, anime. So it's, like, you, it was, like, a weird Naruto Hello Kitty goth phase that was going around, and I think that eventually bloomed into to scene and emo in the later days when I was in school. But, yeah, I mean, I got along with everybody very well. I just didn't understand school like i really fought it like you know looking back i'm like why you you had such an easy thing going for you obviously as an adult in hindsight it's always 2020, right but it's like i hated being there my senior year i was only there till like 11 but that's because i was already done with all my credits so i was able to leave school early and i would go to work so i was like one of the only few kids in high school senior year i was basically gone the whole time
1: and, and working and making money so <laughs> it's weird man it's really weird yeah, it's, it is weird to look back at that, and I'm not trying to sit here and be like, yeah, I was so cool. Like, I'm not trying to say I peaked in high school. I feel like I peaked way after that, but uh, I definitely have peaked, and it's now a downward spiral. Like, I got Prom King, and a lot of that, I think, was because I was just funny— And I tried to be friends with everyone. Like, I tried not to tear down my peers. I tried to go after the establishment. That's the punk side of me, you know? Mm. And I look back at that, and sometimes I I definitely fought against teachers who were literally trying to make a difference in kids' lives, and I was being a terrible person. Other times, I felt like, yeah, I was right. But, you know, that's part of growing up. And I think when I look at Bender in this movie... And how he is just always making a joke. You know, I didn't have the home life that Bender had in this movie. I I had a great mom and dad. They were divorced, but both of them cared about me deeply. And my dad, especially who was, you know, a a professor of English, like really helped me get through school and helped me look at things from a different perspective. And that was really cool. And that made me value like critical thinking and things like that. When I watched Breakfast Club, I was like, yeah, Bender's so cool. But he's also really sad. He's the tragic hero in a lot of ways. But also, everyone in the cliques is the tragic hero. And that's what John Hughes does so well. Like, Anthony Michael Hall is the geek, the nerd that tries really hard and does a good job. When he's faced with failure, he doesn't know how to handle that. And and Molly Ringwald is the the kid who's like love popular cool and fun but she doesn't want to do those things she wants to be her own person can't find her own identity so to speak and same with Emilio Estevez as the jock who's very successful and he tries to do something like the way they describe and connect with each other I just don't know that, that that might be the most unrealistic part of this movie is would that ever actually happen in a high school I don't know maybe in 85 when this came out which I mean, that it's its so crazy that John Hughes wrote this as an adult and was able to tap into such a real thing, right.
0: yeah. It, it, that's I, I agree. There's a little bit of, like, unbelievable stuff like in this movie. You know, it's funny. I brought up like the whole glass shatter thing, and that was like one of John Hughes's like biggest regrets that he's ever done was put that in that movie. But it's like, You know, if he is so worried about you know wrestling Amelia West's character, and then he's smoking pot, like were they not drug testing these students back in the day? Like, because he I don't think so. Remember
1: when we watched Totally Killer, and and just the lack of any accountability or (laughs) like,
0: yeah, I'm not not saying that was a
1: historically accurate movie, but I am saying that it does feel like that. Yeah, and I I guess I get that
0: too. It's just so funny,
1: like yeah. you're right. Like
0: all of these kids, they're like a tragic hero in their own sense. But it's like that's what humanized everybody, and you know, to to let everybody know that we're not all different. We're all living a shitty, stupid lie at most for the most part, and not doing what we want to do. And like, there's a line in the thing is like, none of us have like a fulfilling home life. You know, growing up, like if even if we have a great mom and dad, like if it was so fulfilling, you would never move out. You know, right. Like you, go out and do other stuff so it's like that's such a great point to kids is like don't harp on your home life you know if you have a control over it i guess like because it's only 18 years right like that's as long as you have to live with your parents and and then you go do whatever the hell you want to (laughs) do
1: but yeah i just
0: thought it was very interesting
1: i agree and i think like obviously people's home lives can be tough and like you said it's only 18 years but when you're Fourteen. it feels like everything it feels like that's that's all there is we talked about in the last one with carrie it's like no it's not like the biggest moment of your life like these times in high school don't dictate everything like that's that's one thing i'm actually really happy about as i've gotten older like i didn't let high school define me but it does sort of become a fork in the road of your life where you can decide what kind of person you're going to be and the choices you're going to make and uh, I'm lucky that I had a great friend support group I had great parents I still have one of them it's I don't want to be like and I killed them you know it's like yeah
0: then they they turned out to be really shitty though so yeah they're not great (laughs) anymore
1: (laughs) yeah watching this movie isn't that you can relate to just one in this movie, and I think that's what Hughes did really well, is that these are just caricatures of what it means to be a person, and you can be a mix of these, and while all of these are kind of extreme on the personality spectrum, figure out which one you kind of fit to, what combination you are, and live life that way
0: absolutely and and john you know like we said we we've got kids do you see uh your two kids leaning into any direction of a click going into high school like obviously they're far off from high school but like is there anything
1: yeah Telling something? yeah i definitely see my son as bender and as ali sheedy's character i don't know why i can't remember her name i feel terrible Allison, Allison, wow, really stretching it there, John. I know it was a, it was a
0: leap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, 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 see him as that one, and then I see uh, my daughter as Molly Ringwald, and also Bender. Like they, they both just have this like real like vicious spice to them that I, call, I always call them spicy because they just like, they're just rebel, and I kind of respect it. Like I have to like let them know like I'm in charge of the house but I also really respect it and so that that's who I see what about you
0: yeah it's funny like that's the biggest problem isn't it john being an anarchist <laughs> it's like now we have these kids and like we want them to rebel and like question authority it's like you have to understand i'm not against you i'm with you please yeah jack i definitely see uh being like anthony michael hall There's not this character, I would say, you know, because it's the 80s and it's like video games or anything. So it's like he's going to fall into the video game crowd, um, but also like he's in band. So like like that, then he's smart, wicked smart. So that's why I say a little bit of Brian's character, but mixed with somebody that's not defined in this movie, I would say. So he's going to crush it. He's going to be so funny going into high school. Like it's going to be... I guess I'm not excited to live through it, but you know, vicariously through these kids again because I remember how shitty kids are in high school. So I'm just waiting for that day to come. But man, John, you know, I, we have, I feel like we haven't talked too much in depth of this movie, but this movie it just needs to be seen. You know, if if you've never seen it before, it's a a huge watch. I'm sure it's on high lists of movies you need to watch before you die.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think the reason we haven't like dug into like the story of this movie is because that's what makes it so attractive to people is that you personify yourself in this. Like you're like, "Oh man, if I was this character, I would do this." And it's it's really tough to I think Carrie said this best last week with us. The span of this movie is so short. It's it's less than a day. It's it's like what, 8 hours? That's yeah, it. And They're in a school. And the school is really cool looking, way cooler than my high school was, oh, yeah. but it was a real high school in Illinois They shot it there, and uh, two of the actors were under 18, I think Anthony Michael Hall and Molly Ringwald were, and yeah. the rest were in their 20s, but still really played the part, I mean they still had that angst, I just love about it is, when you start this movie and Anthony Michael Hall's like narrating, you immediately put yourself into this movie, and I don't care what age, you're, I'm 40, and I watched it today, and I started putting myself into this movie like it was yesterday. And just like when I was a freshman in high school and I watched this movie for the first time, I put myself into this movie. And that's what this movie does really, really well, is it speaks to your heart and, and gets you involved in the story. So with that, Greg, what was your favorite scene?
0: Oh man, that's a great question. It's probably just because of how humorous it is, and this—it's not that I would do something like this, but I also like to, you know, mess with people. So I love the scene where he takes the screw out of the door, and it shuts it—the basically the only barrier in between Vernon and the kids—and he then tries to prop it open with the that little light little chair, and it just swings closed and rockets the stupid chair into oblivion. And yes yeah that that whole part was was genius but
1: dude the comedy of when he comes in like who where's that screw what is that and then bender goes it's an imperfect world like i freaking laughed audibly when that happened like i love that i would have i would have totally said that in high school just to be a jerk like to rub it in like you can't prove that i did this but i did it you know right
0: yeah and it's just so like i said like one of the stupid things i would do to my teachers because i would also mess with the teachers like you said and i would chalk their erasers so whenever they would go to erase the board it would just put chalk all over it like <laughs> genius so it's a classic it's classic and, well you can't do it anymore because it doesn't work with white <laughs> with white, the white boards or
1: smart boards and all that stuff <laughs> that's great they took away your Not power you? Greg. Your favorite uh-huh. my favorite scene gosh so I will say, as an adult watching Vernon and the janitor having the conversation, I was like, "Damn, that's legit!" Like that, that feels like me right now. Like I'm, sp- like I love the I loved the janitor character way more this time around. Not that I ever disliked him, because he was always cool, but I just felt like he gets it. Out of all the people in there, he gets it. But it's hard to not pick. When they're talking about why they're in Saturday detention. Mm. Because when Anthony Michael Hall talks about why he's in there. And it gets all serious. Like, that was 1985. That's a big deal. Like, to talk about suicide and everything like that. And then John Hughes is like, guess what? I'm going to make a joke about it. He brought in a flare gun. And that was funny. Like, I audibly laughed after all this like pouring out of this dude's soul i was like oh my god that is actually funny it it was so good i love it it's a great movie it stands the test of time and it's funny it's crazy it's real and it feels even more important now than it did back then i don't know i wasn't there like i said i was two when this movie came out so i don't remember it when i was a toddler well, it's all right. I I was born in 1990, so I wasn't. Even we don't need to, to, to say those much. things, Greg.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dude, that was that was really good. Um, but on that note, you want to roll into your rating for this movie?
1: My rating for this movie is a solid 10 out of 10. I loved it. I enjoyed every ride of this movie. I enjoyed just everything in this movie. It makes me remember so many. It, it's it's like it tugs at the nostalgia heartstrings. It's a 10 out of 10 for me. What about you? I Because I am so critical sometimes.
0: Uh, it's a great movie, and I do love it a lot. Uh, it just has some weird mistakes here and there, um, a little bit of continuity stuff. But, like, it's still a solid movie. I'm still giving it really high up there. Uh, I'm rating it a 9.5 out of 10. Look at us. Yeah. But, yeah, classic. Classic Hughes, man the humanity that this guy has
1: nice dude crushed it yeah it's you gotta watch this movie if you're a cinephile if you're someone who's like i know all about movies you have to watch this like john hughes in general is someone you have to watch but this is quintessential hughes
0: i agree yeah it's and like we said we're doing john hughes movies this month and i've only seen weird science once one long long time ago and i'm He's only seen Ferris Bueller once for the first time, like maybe less than five years ago. So it's like, I'm really into wanting to, because of how much I love this movie. This is what I said to John before the show. It's like, I I loved this movie so much. I can't wait to watch some of the ones that I just don't really have seen before and solidify why I really like John Hughes movies.
1: For sure. And we're going to definitely rectify that. Weird Science was actually the first John Hughes movie I ever remember seeing. I don't know if it was the first, but yeah, I'm really excited to review that. But with that, man, John Hughes, January out and about right now. 2024, John Hughes is back. We're going to roll on up out of here and see you for the rest of your natural born lives. And film it. Ooh, that's a quote from the movie. Bye. See ya.